0: I mean, they talk about the most important people in, in a young person's life. It's their parents, and then it's their coach, and then it's their teacher, in that order. And um, so that's the kind of um, significance of the role that you're playing with these um, young people who are, have been entrusted to you. So thinking about the culture and the environment that you're creating for the years, having per- coached a lot of really high-performing young kids... Ninety percent of the time, it's coming from the kid. Like the kid is asking for more help. They're asking for that equipment. They're asking, you know, for more specialized training. They they want some help learning about strength or, or nutrition or or whatever. It's it's rarely, you know, the parent that's like, I shepherded my child down this pathway, and therefore they're great, you know. And when that does happen, often you get a an adult performer who it's not super intrinsic, you know. They're They're doing it for other reasons, you know, because they've been pleasing their parent the whole way or or whatever. So
1: welcome to the training peaks coach cast. I'm your host, Dirk Friel. In each episode, we'll sit down with industry experts to discuss coaching methodologies, the latest research and leading tools for endurance training. Visit trainingpeaks.com for more training and coaching resources. My guest today is Lance Watson, who has over 25 years of triathlon coaching experience. Part of his credentials include coaching an Olympic gold medalist, being a national team coach for the past four Olympic games, and he has coached more than 20 Ironman winners. And maybe best of all, Lance was inducted into the Triathlon Hall of Fame. As founder of Life Sport Coaching, he works with athletes from elites to age groupers. And as it relates to today's topic of youth development, Lance is a father of two high-performing athletes. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Lance Watson, thanks for joining me today on the Coach Cast.
0: Awesome to be here. Good to catch
1: up. Yeah, for sure. Well, we caught up a bunch in Hawaii just a little while ago. That was good to do. Had a coffee there on a Lehi Drive and get all psyched up. And I get really, you know, I, I come away so inspired and just like gung-ho. I, I've run 20 miles in the last three days, and I'm, I'm not a runner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, keep it going keep the fire burning yeah no i'm i'm missing uh hawaii already <laughs> i'm sure you are too yeah nice absolutely trees and, and warm weather and inspiring athletes everywhere of all ages
1: yeah for sure and one thing you don't see in hawaii is a lot of you know 15 year olds uh crossing the finish line which is probably a good thing right And thank we're, goodness yeah yeah, yeah. We're, we're talk about youth development you're certainly one mm-hmm. of the probably one of the leading experts in this field in terms of all your practical knowledge. Um, But then you have your family experience as well, having two fairly elite kids. We can get into that uh, in two different sports. Um, So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how you balance that from being, you know, the passionate parent to the, I guess, uh, logical coach, you know, in terms of youth development. Um, But then tell us about your experience at Triathlon Canada um, in terms of any kind of youth development practices, um, methodologies, thoughts around, you know, how does Triathlon Canada go about youth development and when do they first start working with or bringing in kids for camps?
0: Um, So Triathlon Canada is uh, primarily Olympic focused. They're thinking about how they can develop young athletes to eventually be Olympians and to um, have expertise in a sport that it's very dynamic. Um, There's a a broad range of skills and when you're thinking about young athletes you know you're not thinking about mileage. You're not thinking about um, burning them out with a lot of heavy training load. You're thinking about really um, finding ways to keep it fun, to keep it social, to keep it engaged and to build that skill development so that well, they know how to jump on and off of their bike, they know how to, you know, corner their bike really well, um, they can transition um, in and out of the water, onto the bike, off the bike and onto the run and that, that's sort of more of a, um, you know, kids of steel, iron kids kind of um, development pathway where you might have um, some kids who do gravitate towards triathlon from a young age and, and follow that pathway. Um, for the greater part, I would say most of the kids are still coming up you know, in swim club, um, running track and cross country at uh, school. Um, maybe they're on their bike for fun. They're riding BMX they're mountain biking and that kind of thing, but not a lot of focus on the bike. And it's not that uh, not that necessary at a young age. I've had um, a number of parents reach out to me over the years who, you know, in some cases had really talented kids, and they're like, well, what do you think they should be doing? And my feedback to them is, you know, keep school with your club make sure they're not burning out make sure not they're you know they're not doing um you know doubles in the pool that kind of thing yeah. because, you know, a lot of kids do drop out of swimming in their teens right. um and then you know keep um running cross-country and track with your school really focusing on speed and threshold dynamic movement and and learning good run economy at a young age versus um getting you know into the longer events and um and then, you know, get out in the trails on your mountain bike and just goof around with your friends on the weekend. You know, I mean, maybe once in a while you could do a little bit of a training ride if you're going to, you know, do your uh, one or two kids' triathlons in the summer for fun just to learn about the sport. Um, but primarily, you know, if, if a kid trains up they're running and they're swimming in the long term, um, the, the cycling, nine out of ten kids who can run will learn to ride a bike quite well you know, from a cardio engine perspective. Eventually. So, yeah, so those are sort of the fundamentals. And then, um, you know, and then there's a focus on talent ID as well, like trying to find the kids that um, maybe look like they have the goods. So there are time standards that are looked for, you know, in um, more, you know, 100, 200, 400 meter freestyle versus 1500. And, uh-huh. and you know, they're looking at, you know, 800 meter, 1500 meter, maybe 3000 meter um, pace on the track. Um, you know, but nothing. We're not looking for 5K and 10K standards in those young years because you know kids haven't developed that endurance yet. And to what be kind quite honest,
1: are we talking about?
0: We're talking that you know 13, 14, 15 years old. Okay. Uh, you know, typically a kid should not start to specialize until they get into their their mid-teens, um, and that's with any sport. You know, they should have a variety of um, sporting experiences, um, just becoming a dynamic, versatile, all-around athlete. You know, if your kid's playing soccer, they're building their cardio engine, right? And they're building speed. And they're having fun with their friends, and they're learning to love sport. You know, and if your kid is doing gymnastics, they're learning, you know, spatial awareness, strength, um, depth perspective, balance. Those are all transferable skills that, you know, eventually will make you a better bike rider, um, you know, et et cetera. So uh, I think you find that um, sometimes you'll see kids who are doing quite well, maybe at age 15, 16, because they have specialized a little bit too early and um, they're a little bit overtrained for their age. so they'll start doing well at an early age, but then their ceiling is, is not you know, the same as the, uh, the kid who's working on you know, skill development, um, moving quickly, you know, threshold and anaerobic capacity development at, uh, at that young age. Uh, their overall endurance ceiling, um, their ability to go fast for a longer period of time will be higher in the yeah. long run yeah
1: obviously you're getting into this concept of range versus specialization and you know there's a yes. book by David Epstein that's called range and the mm-hmm. value of of this broad multidisciplinary kind of athletic background mm-hmm. I think one advantage to it is that you can be thrown into new experiences and mm-hmm. kind of problem solving as well as well not just the physical side but the mental side of being able to take on new problem solving situations and um, kind of navigating through. Whereas triathlon, that's what it is. I mean, these three yeah. dynamic sports. That, in a yeah. way, triathlon itself is range. I mean, you just mentioned it. You know, let's dabble in the pool. You know, maybe get on a swim team. But yet, there are swim teams that sign you on as a twelve-year-old, and you have to be single sport. You can't miss it. You can't miss a you know a, a, a practice. You're traveling, mm-hmm. very very serious. So, what are your thoughts in terms of like? specializing in any one particular sport when might you want to do that you know you mentioned mid-teens right up until maybe high school being more broad
0: yeah yeah i mean classically you should be dabbling in a bunch of sports from ages six all the way up to 13 or 14 and at that point you might reduce to two or three you know that Um, you're gravitating towards, um, and that's kind of a natural progression anyway. You know, kids will start being on travel teams, they'll start to um, have a few more competitions to go to or that kind of thing, so it's hard to maybe keep it up in six or seven or eight sports when you get to that age, but still like joining the high school basketball team or all those those kinds of things are just great experiences and, and build skills and fitness that are transferable to other sports. And then when you get to you know 17 or 18, typically if you're going to be a high performer, um, you know the demands of the sport are such that you're going to have to make your choice and and specialize on that sport through your kind of later teen years. So not having a rescue, and I, I could give you all kinds of case study examples. Uh, one is Brent McMahon, who is You know, a professional triathlete, he just raced his last Ironman Worlds at age 43 in Nice. Wow. Yeah. Recently, um, I started working with Brent at age 15. And so 27 years, 28 years. Wow. And um, when we started working together, he was doing summer swim club. He was playing water polo. He was on the soccer team. Yeah. He was was mountain biking. You know, so uh, he was running cross country and track with his high school. Um, so, you know, lots of social opportunities with his friends, um, lots of competitive experiences where you could learn about winning and losing, you know, or trying your hardest and team spirit and, and all those great, you know, life uh, foundational lessons. Um, and then, you know. As we as he got older and he started competing at junior nationals and going to junior worlds and that it, it required a little bit more attention and focus and we used to joke well oh, I have to every year I have to put your stroke back together after water polo season you know <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> whatever but but it was great because he came back fit and strong and having fun yeah. and as a result by the way he learned how to swim in the mosh pit which is triathlon at, at that ITU or world triathlon series level because right. he was used to contact and yeah people and what a great learning grounds for that. So and what did that look like at
1: age 15? Was he the fastest kid in triathlon or was he the slowest kid in triathlon? Like, was it just the passion? How did he come to find you as a coach yeah. as well?
0: Yeah. Well, so I met him at a triathlon British Columbia talent ID camp that we were running. He was one of a bunch of kids there and it was obvious he was a good athlete. Um, he was not like an outlier talent. There were kids that were faster than him at that younger age and, you know, I think he went race junior nationals and came sixth, which was a great result. You know, like, really, you're like, okay, there's a kid with talent, but you also knew that he was just starting to explore the sport. You know, he was just a versatile, all-around athlete. He had a really good head for competing. He was always, you know, calm and confident, and, and that was a direct result of being the captain of a soccer team, you know, or um, being on the start line of or, or in competitions of all kinds from a young age, and and, um, you know, that builds a certain level of um, sport intelligence and also just a general sense of self-assuredness, you know, self-assuredness, um, you know as, as a person and as an athlete um, going into different kinds of situations. And as we all know, you know, triathlons, one of my favorite things about the sport of triathlon is that, you know, it's you're not going to the track every day or whatever. It's you know, it's they're all swim, bike, run, but every race is different. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's an ocean or lake or hills or wind. Or well, you eater. have a different
1: problem to overcome. It seems with every single event.
0: That's right. That's right. It's your it's sport intelligence. It's making decisions on the fly. It's reading a race. It's keeping your head in the game. It's talking yourself up when it's hard. All of all of those things, you know, that are just awesome life lessons. Well, we all have
1: our weak weaknesses within. The sports, right? <laughs> one sport is weaker than the other.
0: Sure, that's right. That's right. So there's always something to work on. Yeah, but you know, I will say there's like um, you, you see a lot of push or sometimes fanfare around kids, you know, um, trying to do more or longer uh, at a young age, and um, you know, uh, you get some kids. Well, the two thing, one of two things are going to happen. Some kids. You know, they'll, they'll go and do, you know, the local half marathon when they're 12 or 13, right? And it's because somebody hasn't given them guidance or said, oh, maybe that's not the best thing for you to do at this age. And I mean, we could talk about growth plates and all that kind of thing. But right. all, all that aside, um, you know, just as far as um, development. So, you know, the kid is either going to go and slug it out and absolutely hate it and never want to do it again, <laughs> yep. you know. Or maybe they're going to be the kind of kid that likes to do that kind of thing. And um, they're going to get all kinds of feedback and accolades from uh, other adults. Oh, wow, you know, you did a half marathon? Like, that's amazing. And it is it, It's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome that somebody could do that. But it's a little bit misleading as to, you know, you know what they should be focusing on yeah. you know, in that age group. So I do get a lot of parents saying, oh, my, my 12-year-old is thinking about running 10K. What do you think? Or my 12-year-old is thinking about doing a half marathon with me. What do you think? And I'll always try and bring them back to you know if you're 13 or 14 and you want to do 10 a year just to go out and finish it sure yeah you know but to have it be a focal point it's yeah you know if they want to be a performing athlete then great if they want to just do fitness and health and sport for life then go and have different experiences if they love it for sure yeah yeah, yeah.
1: no definitely like this specialization too early You almost hinted on it in terms of like there mm-hmm. are overuse injuries early on and there's this the surgery, the Tommy John surgery in baseball players, it's on the elbow. Mm-hmm. And that used to just be like a professional thing. Now it's like very common in high school to have these overuse injuries from pitching eighty, you know, eighty times in a game, right? And just yeah. just pushing it and having mm-hmm. it, you know, too early of an age, having the focus be on winning and losing versus mm-hmm. the experience. Um, and also if you specialize too early, I believe you're actually taking yourself out of the talent pool for other sports, you, mm-hmm, right? If, if you're specializing only at age 12 on baseball and that's all it's going to be mm-hmm. through high school, you know, did you take yourself out of being a great soccer player or something else that you didn't dabble right. in, right? Right. right? So do you see differences in sports? When we talk about athlete development, you're at the, mm-hmm. you know, at the federation level in triathlon Mm-hmm. is it very similar to cycling versus swimming you know mm-hmm. how, how do different sports kind of specialize earlier or are they all around age
0: 16 yeah no, I mean good question I mean we look at sports like gymnastics or figure skating where you know kids are performing on the world stage you know at 16 17 years old and yeah. you know there's probably um, body changes that happen in your mid late teens that maybe make it harder to have a hyper-flexible back and yeah. know, do some right. of those crazy uh, movements. And, you know, there's that whole, uh, like, endurance a strength work ratio. Sports. That's right. And endurance, you know, um, yeah, well, I mean, we all know that there are Ironman athletes who are absolutely killing it in their mid and late 30s and even 40 years old. And um, so it's, it's a good reminder that there's no rush if your focus is on endurance sport to, you know, go longer Um, earlier but to take your time and you know again um, referring back to the journey with brent it's i had the great fortune of doing what became a longevity study on the work you do with an athlete in their teenage years and early 20s and how that plays out and i remember recognizing when he was um, 20 that his gift was going to be endurance and ultra endurance i mean i remember giving him heck after a base run one day that he was running too fast and faster than some like simon whitfield and some of the other olympians right and then looking at his heart rate file and going his heart rate was really low at that output and he was just efficient you know at that high-end aerobic um, base but then i also had the opportunity as a coach to walk him through the proper steps of development and not rush him into those longer, you know, events. And, you yeah. know, through his journey, I mean, he, Junior Worlds, he went to two Olympic Games, you know, he got to use some of those awesome mountain bike skills and and, and stand on the podium at XTERRA Worlds, you know, right. and then he, when he did his first 70.3, finally, you know, in his sort of mid-20s, he won. He won his first... Um, 70.3 against some really great athletes you know Chris McCormick, Chris Lieto guys like that And um, but I do and, and when he did his first Ironman um, he uh, set the world record for the fastest ever debut Ironman and I don't think that would have happened and I don't think he would have had that level of success for him if we had rushed him you know, into those longer distances at a younger age and even now, I'm seeing younger athletes coming into the longer um, events, and um, there's going to be some outliers in our sport who are going to be durable and keep going and keep improving. But um, I think we're also going to see some athletes who maybe, you know, have a couple of good years and and fizzle. Too, yeah. so. Well, and also
1: that jump in volume. Can you speak to kind of volume increases? Any kind of like words mm. of advice there? What did you see? Um, you know you know are you jumping from 500 to 800 hours you know a, a year in the span of mm. three years or you know what does this kind of look like you know when do we hit the thousand hours a year yeah. mark you know yeah. like yeah. 10,000 hour rule and all this but any kind of what kind of progression have you seen in a,
0: in a smart manner? Um, maybe I'll, I'll word it a little bit differently. if I was going to yeah. simplify it, we just focus on say a distance runner. You know, when you're in high school, um, you should be focused on running 400, 800, 1,500, you know, and going fast, um, getting into racing environments where um, you can race a little bit more often, you know, learn what it feels like to start on a start line, um, and you really learn to be efficient and push that high-end threshold, anaerobic threshold at that age. As you're moving into late teenage years, if you're a distance runner, 5,000 is, you know, an appropriate next step and then if you look at cross country it's 5 to 8 kilometers you know so 3 to 5 miles uh, and then when you get into sort of you know 20 21 then you might start looking at the 10,000 if your physiology is geared that way if you're a better 5000 meter runner you might continue to work those energy systems primarily but you'll start adding on volume so your longer runs will go from you 40 45 minutes when you're 16 17 up to maybe 60 minutes when you're 17 18 and when you get to 19 20 you're looking at maybe 75 minutes so you're starting to add that endurance foundation you know, behind that good high-end threshold work and when you get into your you know, 21 22 uh, again if you're geared a certain weight then you might start looking at running the half marathon yeah. you know which starts to entail 90 minutes and maybe up to a two-hour run but you know, you don't want to get into that kind of ultra endurance, um, you know, two-hour sort of endurance run work at too young of an age, you know, for injury prevention, building up durability around, you know, um, joints, um, tendons, and then, um, and then also just making sure that you maximize those threshold development pathways so that your ceiling is higher when you get into the uh, endurance um, element. Yeah. And I would I would say similarly with triathlon, you know, you're looking at, you know, even if you think about the sprint triathlon, you know, we call it a sprint, it's still an hour race, yeah. you know, and we still have like 16, 17 year olds going out and doing an hour race and cycling or even longer, you know, I'm watching yeah. teenagers go out and do, um, you know, enduro in mountain biking and you know, they're out on their bike for four hours, you know. And uh, right. I remember my son trying his first enduro race when he was, um... You know 16 years old and like he was gassed at the end and I'm like I don't think this is age appropriate like you're just out there too long you, know? <laughs> you right. need to be going fast and learning how to go downhill really fast and and um, you know kind of sprint and all that so yeah so age
1: appropriate yeah. yeah yeah so let's get into that your uh your own personal life as a parent having two kids um, your daughter just recently finished her first 70.3 she's 17
0: yeah. She's 23. Sorry. I'm way off. I'm like, okay, I'm <laughs> no, that's good. i would be a to... bad dad if I was putting my 17-year-old. <laughs> okay. a 70, not that's a bad dad, but you know what I'm saying. That's, <laughs> that's a little bit young, though. Um, no, so my son is 18. Uh, he oh, just okay. raced his first um, World Cup of downhill. Um, okay. I'm very proud of him. Um, yeah. Big experience, a um, big learning experience, um, more of a, a mental learning experience probably than a physical one. My my daughter's 23, and um, she just did her first uh, 70.3 into grade one or age group and had just a really, really solid day and trained really hard for it. And, you know, she's come from running in college, you know, going through all those developmental steps. And if I I hit rewind on her, she grew up um, playing soccer and doing musical theater and then started running track in grade 11. And, um, you know, did well enough through the work that she did playing soccer and, you know, a couple of little kids triathlons here or there when she was younger, that um, she was able to, you know, join um, she ran for McGill in Montreal and she was able to be a part of, um, you know, the track and cross country team and you know, kept consulting dad on how do I cross train and stay fit and <laughs> that kind of thing, yeah. so we made sure not to overdo her and help her navigate that university running system, which sometimes, you know, when a high schooler goes to university and runs, you know, they get thrown to the wolves a little bit and they're doing, you know, adult women. I remember going to her first practices and she's like, there's 25-year-old women on the team and you know, she's just out of high school, right? right. So, yeah, so yes, it, was, it was a big step. You know, and then she came out and she was doing super sprint and sprint draft legal, draft ones in the Quebec Cup and she raced the world championships, you know, sprint draft legal as an age grouper in Montreal and yeah, you know, and then she did her first Olympic distance last year and um, then went back to sprints this year did a couple of Olympic distances this year and I said well you're 23 and she really wanted to try it so we can cap your year off at the end of the year and you can just go out and try a 70.3 see how you like it you know it's not going to be the focus of your year but you we well, can make sure you get a couple 3 hour rides in you know to get you ready and yeah. you know the longest run she did was 90 minutes preparing for it and a couple of brick runs and so, you know, it was it was enough training that she could get through it and be strong, but it was not, you know, training like I would have done with Lisa Bentley in the prime of her career, you know, when right. she was winning Ironmans and 70.3s, and, you know, because, you know, it's there's a, still somewhere for her to go as right. far as you know, building that endurance. And,
1: yeah. yeah, you know, that's a good point. Having somewhere to go yet still, you know, peaking Mm -hmm. too early, that specialization, have you seen Mm -hmm. that where maybe parents are too enthusiastic, putting their their kids into triathlon or whatever sport too early and Mm -hmm. actually specialize too early, get get fast too early and maybe burn out?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I just think, you know, as a parent, your job is to drive your kid to practice. (laughs) Make sure they got the, the stuff they need, you know, the, the cleats, the baseball glove, the, the, the whatever, uh, you know, cheer for them and take them for an ice cream on the way home. And yeah. I think sometimes the, the most important and vulnerable moment for a kid is, is in the car on the way home from the game or practice where in this environment where there's nowhere for them to go to escape. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then they, and then coach dad starts breaking it. You know, you should have back checked harder. You should have done this. You should have done that, you know? And, and it, it goes from, I just, you know, played a game with my buddies and my coach gave me some feedback and, and, you know, it was an awesome experience. And I'm learning as I go to, you know, there's something, there's like a father, son, or parent, child, relationship at stake here too you know parent pleasing and parents you know maybe starting to live a little bit vicariously through their kids successes and, and so i always really like to highlight that to parents like you know it's, and it's not challenging anybody on their parenting style at all it's more just being really sensitive to um you know the messaging you give your kids around um the sport and and you know with my kids i always just if they ask for help i would give it to them and and I would say that I've observed over the years having per- coached a lot of really high-performing young kids, 90% of the time it's coming from the kid. Like, the kid is asking for more help. They're asking for that equipment. They're asking, you know, for more specialized training. They're, they want some help learning about strength or, or nutrition or, or whatever. It's, it's rarely, you know, the parent that's like, I shepherded my child down this pathway and therefore they're great. You know, and when that does happen, often you get a an adult performer who it's not super intrinsic you know they're they're doing it for other reasons you know because they've been pleasing their parent the whole way or or whatever so you know if a kid's good at sport and they pick their parents well and they're driven and they love it um they'll ask for more and then your job is just to Support it with within whatever means you have to support. I mean, because you also see crazy um, stories of you know, parents remortgaging their house to send their yeah. kid to hockey camp in the summer. Yeah. And you're like, maybe your kid should go to the beach and no. you know hang out and you know or 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 play um, baseball locally or something like that or, or you know just yeah yeah yeah. So I
1: mean, what percentage of kids in hockey go on to play pro? You know, how many go on to get a scholarship in college? We're talking five, mm-hmm. you know, two percent, one percent, less than that, right?
0: Hundred percent, and and just and if you want to use triathlon too, I mean, I've just I've seen so many talented kids come through and amazing athletes, but they don't quite get to that Olympic level. And then you got to say, okay, well, what was the outcome of that journey, right? Right. right. It's, it doesn't because they don't make it to the Olympics doesn't mean it wasn't a valid journey. I mean, it's, no. it's an incredible journey. It's it's about setting and work ethic and discipline and and learning how to carry yourself, um, you know, finding a passion for sport and movement, hopefully something you carry on for your whole life. But you hope that that kid, your kid comes out of that environment, you know, having had a really enriching, empowering, and sometimes challenging and, you know, knocked down a few times that they had to be resilient too. But they come out of that sport as a stronger, you know, young person who is better equipped you know, to deal with the world and and also has a love for, you know, sport and health and fitness, which they're going to carry on and pass on to their kids one day too. You know, that's for me, when I think about my kids, um, they both have gravitated towards high performance sport. They both found it in their own ways. My son, um, as I mentioned, he just did his first World Cup of downhill. one day I sat down and wrote down all the sports that he did, like coach season, for a karate belt, for a, you know, diving or whatever. And he, he yep. had been in 18 different coach sports. Awesome. And we just, yeah, and we also just kept trying stuff, you know, yep. soccer, cross country, yep. swimming, all of it. Nothing ever really stuck. He did it for a while and he's like, oh, that's not my thing. And then amazingly, he found parkour, which is <laughs> like jumping and. And then he found hip hop dance and he loved that. And he was, you know, it was like his first competitive experience was like competing with a team in hip hop. And he was, he was really good and he loved it. And then, you know, we'd always tinkered on the mountain bike and then he found a group of boys, you know, when he was 14 who were on this mountain bike club and they would go out and they'd ride the trails and, um, and, um, and he fell in love with it but it was he found his people it was social you know he had a group to go train with you know it wasn't grinding hills with dad or something and getting instructions from dad it's like he found that and then when he got to age 16 he had to choose between hip-hop and mountain biking because the competitions were on the same weekends and he decided that's what he loved, loved more and so you know that was that was his pathway, and he raced regionally, he raced, raced locally. You know, he asked about strength training. He asked about nutrition. You know, he's uh, he broke Dad's bank a few times on bikes and <laughs> broken <laughs> equipment. That's yeah, for sure. Of course, that's so, yeah, 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 yeah. So you just do the best you can to get him the stuff that he needs, so he can and and also like do you really need the the four or $500 shock yet? Oh, do you yeah. really need the carbon this or, or whatever, you know, and, um, just sort of doing gut checks and keeping it real and, you know, yeah, giving definitely. him the equipment he needs at an appropriate pace too. So, yeah. yeah so, being, yeah.
1: You know, creating the lifelong athlete should be the primary goal. Right. And I, I think about my That's own true. experience in cycling I was gung ho from age 12. It's like all I wanted to do, yeah. like race. I just wanted to race. And I was last in my very first race, but I fell in love with it. I was last place, but it was like, this is it, you know? Yeah. And but then my parents, they, they did hold it back. They did say in middle school, you need to do a school sport. So I did yeah. basketball, football track but I would train on the bike like before and after practice, you know, or early in the morning I'd get on the bike and then do football practice after school. And then when I, when I got to high school, I was like, I just want to do the the bike. And so they allowed me to do single sport, but they got me a coach. And later on, my dad told me, he told this, my first coach, I just want Dirk to be in love with the bike for the rest of his life. You know, he, he wasn't about the results. And my yeah. father, you know, so my, my father was a coach, yeah. <laughs> so he, he made old. sure to get me another coach, not himself. Right. And he stayed mm-hmm. out of that training realm, asked mm-hmm. he would answer questions, you know, when I had them, but I had another coach. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. I obviously was not the fastest junior, but somehow was able to go pro. And I was in Europe for five years and race pro for 12 years and made it Know a career out of it, Um, but I wasn't the fastest at the beginning. You know, but the passion was there. So somehow, I saw a lot of kids that came and went, and they were so much faster than me, but they just fizzled out really quickly. Um, So and and then I I I read about like other countries and the way they go about you know, youth development. And I've recently read about Norway and obviously Mm -hmm. Norway has like this huge buzz in Mm -hmm. triathlon and everything else these days, it seems like. Mm -hmm. But in Beijing, okay, granted winter sport, Norway is a cold country, but they had the number one medal count of like 48 medals. And Mm -hmm. the U.S. had half of that. Mm -hmm. They have a population the size of Detroit and they produce... 47 medals in the Winter Olympics. And when I, you know, you dig into it, you see that up through age 13, like it truly is about participation. I hate that word participation award, but they Mm -hmm. don't keep score. There's no winners, losers. There's really no timing and they open up all sports for free. It's government funded, but Mm -hmm. they don't keep score. Yeah. You know, and it's not about winning, losing it's, it's about the process and just having literally number one is having fun. And so they keep athletes longer mm-hmm. so they can, and they can produce better results because of that range that they build early on. So mm-hmm. I thought that was fascinating. You any- this, they're,
0: they're, they're building a bigger talent pool, essentially, you know, right. if you're looking yeah. at it from a high performance perspective. You've got more kids participating in you know in sports and now you think about um you know like football in the u.s and like there's a lot of kids that play football <laughs> so yeah. it's really right. good football players are going to come out of that um that kind of a talent pool and but what i love about that example again is it's it's the focus on you know the long-term well-being and health and wellness of your society essentially by you know really making sure that young people have a positive experience around sport. Um, You know, you think about a kid, if they do one kid's triathlon when they're 10 or 11, they're always going to identify a little bit with being, I'm a triathlete. You know, Mm -hmm. I know what that is. So when they're 35 or 40 or whatever, and they're like, oh, I really need to pick something up for fitness, you know, the idea of doing a triathlon is going to be in their... You know, in their realm, in their sort of, um, in their imagination, because they've yeah. they've experienced it before. Just like if you played a little bit of soccer, you might go join an adult soccer league when you're a little bit older because you've had that um, experience. And and on the uh, the flip side too, you know, as a high performing cyclist, you know, going later into life, if you tried some other things, like you could go and play pickup basketball or or, or whatever later on in life. Yeah. And so right. lifetime. Yeah, we we call it life lifestyle fitness. You know, always being fit and strong enough, and having a versatile skill set enough that you know I could do I could ramp up and go do a half Ironman in six eight weeks if that's what I wanted to do. I could also take up that invitation to go hike you know that mountain or you know go a to the yeah, or go skiing, you know, on some, you know, epic ski trip, you know, I have a buddy who wants to go hella skiing, you know, all right, well, I better get to the mountain a few times and polish up, but, uh, you know, I'm generally coordinated enough that I can go and do that kind of fit enough that I can endure, you know, a couple of days of that, so, yeah, that's the long game.
1: Yeah, and that plays into, you know, aging well, right, and that's, hopefully the goal for all of us <laughs> and to stay in love and be active throughout our entire life. Um, if, so how about tips for coaches? You know, you're a coach, you have a parent coming to you, they want you to coach their, I mean, if, if we say like, uh, you know, a 14 year old versus an 18 year old, you know, are there, are there, focus, is there a different focus for those two kind of age groups?
0: For sure. Um, I I mean, I think, first of all, first and foremost, the coaches is responsible for creating the environment and the culture of where these young people in in essentially you've been entrusted (laughs) to, you know, guide. I mean, they talk about the most important people in in a young person's life. It's their parents and then it's their coach and then it's their teacher in that order. And um, so that's kind of um, significance of the role that you're playing with these um, young people who who have been entrusted to you. So thinking about the culture and the environment that you're creating, you know, and that means, you know, having an element of fun, having an element of playfulness, especially when they're younger, um, making sure that there's an opportunity for it to be social when they're younger, really having a strong focus on skill development, but creating games out of it as opposed to it being repetition and grind, repetition and grind, repetition and grind. Um, yeah. uh, there's, there's a really great um, youth development coach in Victoria named Kelly Guest. And, um, and my daughter was lucky enough to train with him when she was younger. And they would go and run intervals in the trails and then they would play ultimate for a while. <laughs> and then they would run a few more intervals and then they would play ultimate, right? And as a 12 or 13-year-old who's learning to train, and they would really look forward to that practice, you know? Because they were still going to get a good workout, but that wasn't the, the whole focal point. The focal point was they're going to see their friends there and there was going to be an element of fun. Lots of drills, lots of strides, lots of activations, so lots of skill learning. Uh, he would have he would have races you know putting your helmet on and off and getting on and off your bike and that kind of thing too so really specific skill development but wrapping it in a context of you know game playing and fun you know and that's you know up to 14 15 years old that's totally appropriate um, and then as you get older then obviously you know you're in the learn to train phase of your learn to train learn to race learn to win journey as as a, a performing athlete right. so then it's it's teaching them how to, you know, manage practices and, and that, but still being really conscious of, you know, I, I call it the long game. When you're thinking about an athlete, and that's not just performance. I mean, that's the long game of human development. And it's not, you know, how you're going to drill down and kick their butt today. And it, it's the messaging that you're giving them today that they're going to absorb and internalize and carry with them later in their athletic career even as high performers it's going to shape their journey and it's going to impact their performance you know a happy athlete is a fast athlete so if you're creating if you're creating an environment of joy and playfulness alongside work ethic determination structure respect for your group you know the kind of energy you bring then you've got it yeah
1: well i think about as a coach also like there is the star athlete, and there's everybody else. But not playing the favorites, if you will, kind of treating everyone equal, giving everybody their their own due positive feedback, right, and not just focusing on the star athlete because they're all, they all can be champions potentially down the road, right? They're all equals in that regard. They all have potential. But they're not all going to make – get to that championship elite level and so exiting this sport with that self-confidence and way the way of like dealing with others and 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 taking on challenges right and building up that confidence i think in the end
0: totally totally no it's 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 valuing and validating all the individuals who are in your group and you know, it's really easy. Uh, you, know, you might be the star of your group, but there's always a bigger, a bigger pond and bigger fish. You know, yeah, right, there's always right, there's always. always some kid, uh, you know, across the country or in Europe or, or whatever. whatever. Only one world know. champion. Yeah, that's that's exa- that's exactly right. So, you know, it's and not losing perspective too, because I've I've been part of, um, you know, Olympic journeys, and Olympic teams, where, you know, you've got these athletes who are have qualified for the Olympics. And in some ways they're being viewed as lesser bands than the metal potential athlete. And you're like, this is an incredible athlete who's dedicated their life to getting to this level of one of only 55 triathletes on that start line, you know, from the entire planet. And, um, you know, that's, that is an, an incredible, incredible accomplishment. And, you know, and, and the kid who, um, gets to race for their national team or maybe gets one start in that WTS level, you know, like that's that's an incredible life achievement to get to that level. So you we're know, always thinking about, you know, how can we develop future world champions and future Olympians and um, you know, that's what drives the high performance mindset. That's what athletes are hungry for too, you know, how good can it be? Yeah. so definitely that's wanna validate that as well too. Like if they're hungry to get faster and they want to win stuff, like your, your role as a coach for that mid-20s athlete is to give them the tools to succeed, you know, and teach them how to be determined and confident and make good decisions out there and, you know, see their competitors as other human beings as well. <laughs> this, yeah,
1: definitely. You know. absolutely. And it's funny coming from founder of Training Peaks, but de-emphasizing the data, right? It's more about the process than the outcome. Yeah. Okay, they might be on training peaks at age 15 but hey let's not worry about power to weight ratio yet you know what I'm it's like what's the process of maybe tomorrow's workout like preparing for tomorrow's workout for example might be more the focus than you know your normalized power <laughs> absolutely
0: it's it's I mean it's, it's almost an overused term now but it's it's a holistic approach you know it's, it's thinking right. about you know what? What mental skills? What kind of mental fortitude are you developing? Um, are you building up the kid's self-esteem? Because if you if you've got a, a, a thoroughbred, exceptional athlete, and they have paper-thin self-esteem, like they're never going to realize their potential. You know, and I've, I've you know, working with federation, I've I've seen kids come through who had the goods, hands down. Had the goods. You see it in every professional sport, you know, the, the highly touted draft pick just never comes to fruition at the professional level. And, right. you know, a lot of times that's just, they just don't have the complete toolkit to mm-hmm. make that happen. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. Also, from the perspective of a coach, you know, you mentioned thoroughbred. Like, if you have a squad, yeah. you do have the thoroughbred. But realizing you're not setting everybody's pace zones off of that thoroughbred we're you know, we yeah, all have yeah. our own individual like paces, if you will. Yeah. And that's difficult. That would be difficult to manage. If you do have the star athlete, we're going to go out and do these intervals, but somehow mm-hmm. to explain to the group that you are at different paces, right?
0: Yeah.
1: It's hard to take it if you're in the third or fourth group, yeah. you know, 40 seconds behind the leader.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, and. Um, I, I could give you a hundred examples. I mean, I remember um, coaching a high performance camp in Australia, and um, you know, I had one young woman who was really like getting down on herself because she wasn't keeping up. You know, yeah. and I kept saying, you know, these are really good athletes you're training with, and you know, one of the athletes went on to be uh, ITU World Number One. Another one went on and, and won a couple of World Cups that year, and ended up winning World Championship medals three years in a row. And this, this particular young woman went and re- raced her first ITU, they call it Continental Cup, of the year mm-hmm. and won, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But she lost perspective on how well she was doing because she was getting gapped on every single workout. So so in some ways, you're trying to reframe it as look at the opportunity you have here. You know, you've got the standard and level right there. So, you, you know, you could say, hey, I was only five seconds a kilometer or, or a mile behind – that incredible athlete every interval and if I think about that rationally that's going to put me in the mix at a world level um, but the other thing uh, you know I would say is swimming is a great example um, tri- if you're a triathlon coach running swim practices you'll, I'll always if I'm observing coaches I'll see are there eyes on all the swimmers or are there eyes on the star athlete the entire practice and, Right. and um, you know it's you're, you're Potentially doing a disservice to the other athletes, but you might be letting some talent, some future talent, slip through the cracks because your everything is driven towards that, um, you know, that one current uh, high performer. So,
1: yeah, yeah. Any final thoughts for uh, parents here? Tips on uh, helping their kids out, getting getting them started in the right direction, or last well, thoughts? Just,
0: yeah, I mean, I think just as a parent, if you're encouraging your kids to be active and get into sport, you're already doing it an awesome job as a parent and, you know, and trying to share a love of sport. Um, just just keeping the messaging around cheering and let the coaches do the coaching and, um, you know, give your kid a big hug after the game, whether they won by five or they lost by five. And, and then, you know. And Then move on to the next topic. <laughs> let's exactly. go home. And, let's go home and watch a, a Disney movie or whatever it is. No, you got to
1: swallow your pride as a parent, you, you know. And I, I myself, you know, my daughter. I'm a cyclist. She did her first bike race at like age six. She said yeah. she would never ever do another bike race because she was the only girl, and like yeah. she never did another bike race. But uh, you know, she discovered lacrosse and volleyball and. Other things along the way. So uh, I just yeah. had to swallow my pride, and that's fine. That's fine. I understand.
0: <laughs> you know, Dirk, I mean, when my, start, when my son started hip hop dancing, I mean, he, did, he didn't get that for me. <laughs> but then you're like, all of a sudden, you're in this whole world of like yeah, learning about something completely different. I'm like, this is really cool. And now I, uh, I didn't know what isolations were Isn't before, but the- I do know. Um yeah, I think breakdancing is coming oh, into break. the Olympics. Yeah, yes. yeah. I I think I just learned that yesterday actually. <laughs> so like that's amazing, right? So yeah. Uh, yeah. anyways, um you know, it's you can learn so much about yourself as a parent just by observing your kids and and being a part of their journey and let them decide
1: their path, right? And follow along. That's support them and let them decide
0: their own path. Maybe. I've yeah. always I've always said that if my kids just grow up being loving fitness and taking care of themselves that's mission accomplished as a parent yeah. they both self-selected into high performance sport you know and i'm just i'm just trying to find people to help that's them and, there. and yeah i don't yeah maybe they overcame uh the genes. <laughs> I don't know. anyway it's it's fun to cheer for them for sure
1: yeah awesome thanks for all the great feedback advice and uh good luck to all the parents and coaches out there Developing the next generation of uh, champions and, and non-champions as well.
0: Absolutely, hundred percent. Thanks, Lance. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for listening to the Training Peaks Coachcast. Visit TrainingPeaks.com for more training and coaching resources.